everyone. Welcome to RuthCon Continues. This is a follow-up to the Ruth Conference that we held as InterVarsity BC, and Manitoba joined us uh, June 3rd to 5th. We are hosting three podcasts after the conference, looking at the characters Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. So either if you were part of the conference and didn't get a chance to go to those other sessions, or you're just tuning in and you want uh, to hear some of what we studied, we've got you covered. So uh, I'm Derek Joyce. I am on staff at the university up in Prince George. And today we have three other lovely InterVarsity folks who are going to join our virtual table. Um, so yeah, Bryn, Vicky, and Alan, uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, tell us your name, where you work with InterVarsity, and one of your fondest childhood summer activities, because it's summertime. So what did you do as a kid? And uh, Bryn, you, your face looks the least confused, so why don't you start? All right. <laughs> Hello, my name is Bryn. I'm on staff with InterVarsity at Emily Carr University in Vancouver. And my fondest childhood memory, the first thing that came to mind was an image of a, a crazy daisy, those sprinklers that are like flower foams yeah. that like their head flails around and you get sprayed and you spray your friends with it. So that's my fondest childhood memory is <laughs> playing in those and spraying my friends. Nice. I can go next. My name is Alan. I'm on staff with InterVarsity at SFU and UBIC. Um, and one of my fondest memories is was like gardening with my like mom and my grandmother. But by gardening, I mean going to my grandmother's garden and picking her vegetables and then selling vegetables to my grandmother. Um, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Work in the system. <laughs> yeah. I was really good at doing things like that. Anyway, so uh, that was me as a kid in the summer. Cute. Um, hi, my name's Vicky. I'm the Langara College staff. And it's so hard for me to think of one fond memory because there are so many. Um, but one that I guess I could share is, so I have three younger siblings and I'm the oldest. And so it's pretty much during childhood, I had at least two minions under me because sometimes <laughs> the youngest one's like a baby, so you can't do much with them. Hey. But the other two. <laughs> so I would love catching butterflies and looking for caterpillars or grasshoppers. Um, yeah. And I wasn't allowed pets, so I would try to collect my own pets in nature that way <laughs> with my minions to help me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Love it. That's great. Uh, great. So I forgot if I mentioned before, but we're doing the character podcast on Ruth. Um, so we're going to dive right in. We basically just have a few questions, and we're going to go around the table and um, just ask each of our university staff um, yeah, their thoughts on it, their opinions. So. Uh, so first of all, Ruth, the character of Ruth. Let's talk about her. Um, so as, as we were going through Ruth, or maybe even after we've had time post-RuthCon, um, what, what really stood out to you about Ruth? How did your perspective of Ruth change uh, before and after studying? But yeah, what, tell me about the character of Ruth and, and what you learned. My first thought about like studying Ruth as like a province and as a community I think like I was really excited for the story of like this immigrant who kind of comes to a new place and makes a life um, and like models this really beautiful like love of God to a people who like 
she's just getting to know. Um, but I think the thing that like I wasn't really prepared for was like how this kind of like four chapter book like influences so much of the rest of the narrative of scripture. Mm. Um, so like near the end of the book, like where you're beginning to realize that like the story of this one woman influences like the line of David and ultimately like the line of like Jesus, mm. I think has just been like modeling for me. And I think it's been really cool to see how like this one person's story of redemption becomes a, a redemptive narrative for like David, for Mary, for Jesus, but also like redeem some of the like past narratives of yeah. like kind of uncomfortable stories of like Tamar and others in like Genesis and Exodus. So I think mm. I was not prepared. Yeah. For like this s- small story, but how big it was. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Bryn, do you want to want to go next? Sure. So I think like the things that initially struck me in just reading Ruth over once and then continuing to go back to it is just Ruth's, like you see her characteristics of commitment both to her mother-in-law, but then like to her new land and community, um, also resilience and just going out um, to find a way to provide for um, Naomi and herself in this new country or land and the personal risk that's involved. Um, yeah, that she's just still, um, quite invested in, in providing for her mother-in-law and herself in this place. And like, doesn't say Mm -hmm. I'm giving up, I'm going back home and she stays put. Um, and then I think also, the way, just like the way that God provides for her is quite incredible. And so that, and like she receives that, but also prompts other people to, to action like Boaz by asking Mm -hmm. him like, Hey, will you cover me with your cloak or your wings or uh, the language inviting him to marry her like boldly um, and within his character. But it's like this, this boldness that, um, is necessary and, and then God proves he can provide for her through, um, yeah, this kind of partnership. And, um, yeah, I think that's really significant in that there's like a long-term impact of Ruth's, Mm -hmm. um, boldness and action, both for herself and her community and seeing, yeah, like Alan mentioned into the generation of generations afterward with, uh, going into the lineage of Jesus and that she's a part of that. And so mm-hmm. Ruth's short-term decisions really uh, inspire um, yeah, future generations to act out of the character of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What would you add, Vicki? Yeah. Um, something that strikes me about Ruth is how much she loves Naomi. And I entered into the story And a lot of students actually talked about this at RuthCon as well. But I entered into the story thinking that Ruth's love would be focused more on Boaz and that it would be like a romantic story between Ruth and Boaz. But it was actually a really pleasant surprise to see how Ruth's love is actually so much more than just the romantic love for Boaz. And Naomi plays such a huge role in the story and in Ruth's life and yeah, I think my perspective of Ruth um, really changed. And as I saw how she shows such loyal love 
to Naomi, but she also um, invites, as kind of Bryn mentioned, invites Boaz to also show loyal love to her and to Naomi by proposing to him and asking him to marry her. And yeah, and that the marriage was not just a blessing for Boaz and Ruth, but also for Naomi, who starts the story losing her husband and her two sons, one of which is Ruth's husband. But at the end, she gains um, new family. And and so, yeah, this is such a small, but a small story, but also has such a big impact, kind of echoing what Alan said. Yeah. Yeah, she really, she's just so remarkable. Like, yeah, the boldness, the resiliency you guys talked about, the um, just the commitment and love she had, like the lasting impact. Um, yeah, I, when I just one of the tidbits that I loved when I was prepping for Ruth was in like some of the like the ways that the Old Testament was compiled for like the Jewish people was like Ruth would actually come after the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs 31 sets up like, oh, this amazing woman, like this, um, yeah, this valuable, amazing, wise, strong woman. And then Ruth was the next book kind of like being the person who would, I don't know, model that or be an example of that. And yeah, just so much more, um, I don't know, audacious that she is a foreigner. Like she's so, she's not an Israelite, which at the time was um, a strike against you in, in many cases or even many books of the Bible or laws even. And so, yeah, just so beautiful to see um, her narrative and just, yeah, the lasting impact of her, her character um, over time. No, I, I loved like the, the connection to like the Proverbs 31, like I had fun on the mixtape kind of imagining like this conversation between like Boaz and his next of kin of being like, I see like the image of God in you and I'm choosing this to like be in relationship with Ruth, but what, why are you blind to it? Um, mm. Yeah. Cause I think, I think Ruth is a model of what the proverb 31 uh, image of the wisdom of God looks like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, Vicky brought up loyal love. And um, yeah, there's a word that comes up in this book a number of times, chesed. And it's translated as kindness, at least in the version we were using. Uh, our, the Bible project, they call it loyal love. So yeah, let's talk about that word because it's used a number of times in the book of Ruth to describe Ruth's action towards others. And so yeah, let's unpack that word, um, chesed. Hesed was used um, previous to the book of Ruth in scripture. And so, like, for example, in Exodus 34, verse 6, there's a description of God, um, which incorporates this term of loyal love. And it's really like sacrificial, someone giving sacrificially. There's enduring commitment or covenant involved in the the action. Um, Generosity is also kind of part of the definition. Um, And it's really not conditional um Hmm. yeah so the the character of god that's like the you know quintessential definition of how god loves us his people his creation um all of the earth and then uh ruth embodies that in the ways that she gives up so much to go with naomi and to um yeah risk personal safety going into the fields um, to provide for her and herself and Naomi and the same when she goes in the threshing floor at night to uh, fulfill the plan Naomi suggests of gaining security and asking Boaz to 
to marry her. There's all this different risk involved, but it, um, yeah, that, that sacrifice is out of, of love and, um, that giving of herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bryn, you mentioned like it's the reference to Exodus, which I think I wrote it down on my page my notes here the lord the lord the compassionate and gracious slow to anger abounding in loyal love and faithfulness so hesed it's like that it's it's just a part of like that kind of this honorific that kind of god gets throughout the old testament of what he's like and what his commitment to israel is like um yeah it's like it's like this long lasting i love that it gets translated in a whole lot of different ways in scripture so you sometimes get it like kindness or loving kindness or steadfast kindness or like faithful love bible project used loyal love which i actually really appreciate kind of that language but yeah i really like um the bible project video of loyal love or hesed and i just feel like ruth's story is such a beautiful example of kind of zooming into God's hesed love, mm, um, just good. like you like said that. of like God, God's love and commitment to Israel. And we see that kind of zoomed in through Ruth's commitment to Naomi. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like hesed love can be zoomed out like all throughout scripture, but you can also definitely, there's so mm-hmm. many different stories where you can zoom in. And as yeah. we're in the book of Ruth, I'll just talk about, yeah, Ruth and Naomi. <laughs> Vicky, I really appreciate that, like, that language of, like, zooming in, like, how, like, yeah, we kind of get this zoomed-in image in Ruth of God's love. I was talking to a student recently, he was like, I get, like, like what God is like, but sometimes it's really hard to, like, figure out how to translate what, like, God is like into, like, how do I love people? <laughs> so I was just thinking that now as you were speaking, I think, like, Ruth kind of teaches us of how we take some of that, like, abstract ideas of God's love. And, like, how do you translate that into actual our everyday relationships? Mm. Um, and the, one of the questions I was getting a lot at, in my small group was kind of like, how do I be obedient to, like, Ruth? I was kind of surprised by that question. But I think it's that's actually a really beautiful thing to be asking about, like, as you're in the story of Ruth and kind of like, okay, Ruth is doing something remarkable here. How do I be like that? How do I be faithful? Um and for me, like, the answer to that is kind of rooted, I was thinking about this, I feel like it's rooted in, like, chapter one of Ruth and the decisions Ruth makes. Um, so I think there's all this question of, like, is Ruth's sister at the beginning of the story? Is she, like, unfaithful or sinful or wrong because she doesn't choose to go? I think, like, I don't know. The book doesn't give us a clear answer on that. But I think what is true is, like, Ruth's sister misses out on this opportunity to do something, like, remarkably loyal. So it's not so much whether she... I don't think it's about whether she's done something wrong. She just doesn't choose into, like, this beautiful act of loyal love for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But that's, Ruth makes this decision of, like, this person who I've been with for a while, this mother-in-law, my mother Naomi, where, like, she lives, I'm going to live where like she chooses to find family i'm gonna make those people my family who she worships i'm gonna worship where she dies i'm gonna die like and like if you think about that like those decisions that she's making about what she's gonna be about 
like they play it in the whole rest of the book. She goes to a new town with her mom. Her mom is like, this is where I'm going to be like live. And that's where Ruth lives. And I mean, this is where going to be my people. You're going to meet Boaz. Okay. Ruth then like Boaz is going to be my people. And like Bethlehem is going to be my people. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about how like the commitment she makes to Naomi actually they're what helps her make her or they're what she lives out of in the rest of the book. Um, yeah. I like that framing of like Ruth and Orpa, like that decision, how, yeah. Ruth's commitment sets her up for those future commitments kind of thing. Like it puts her on that path mm-hmm. of like, cause her, yeah. yeah, I feel like really what she's choosing into is like kinship with like Naomi. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciated like the, yeah. it says Ruth clings to Naomi, like Orpa, Orpa turns and leaves but Ruth clings to Naomi and yeah, just how that word clings is the same as like in Genesis when it talks about like, uh, you know, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. And yeah, just that kind of like enduring commitment, that loyal love, like that decision to, to be with someone like, um, yeah. Who would you sacrifice for? Who would you, who are you willing to struggle with? Um, who's your family? Like, yeah, she makes that decision pretty clear. I think that's a huge challenge, like, to me and to, like, I think, I don't know, speaking as, like, a white Canadian, um, <laughs> like, yeah, that expansion of, like, who's your family? Like, who who am I willing to sacrifice for and choose into belonging with outside of my own little, like, you know, my kids and my family or, like, biological family? Like, that's, that's, that's huge. Yeah, I once got in trouble with my family because I was in with a bunch of friends that were asking, like, who are the people you, like, who's your family and who are your friends? And I'm like, oh, my family is in Kingston. It came out, like, before I even thought about it. I'm like, oh, I just said my friends in Kingston are as much family as my family in Newmarket. I remember, like, feeling like I've done something shameful. And I thought about it. I'm like, it is, but also it's kind of true. Like, <laughs> these people I've chosen to commit to are as close to me as family, and I'm as loyal to them as I am to my blood family. Um, yeah. I think just the other thing I'd, I'd mentioned that I feel like came up in our our character study was like Ruth being um, like a nexus of Hesed or like a hub of Hesed. How like not only does she like practice Hesed and like show that loyal love to others, but in some ways she actually like inspires that action out of other people as well. Like as um, as we see the story progress, like Naomi is actually becomes really invested in in Ruth's well being and you know her security. And Boaz himself, too, makes sacrifices to um, to see the security of Ruth, this woman of noble character. Um, so, yeah, there's there's something about, like, yeah, choosing a life of Hesed and, like, I don't know, I feel like, yeah, living how God intended us to live that actually inspires and draws that out of other people around us as well. Um, yeah, I, like, I know I have, and, I like, I hope you have people in your life who, like, you know, when you're around them, like, I feel like I just live better. Like, like I, I live more holy. Like I live a righteous life because like, I don't know, they're just inspiring me to do that. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's chat a bit about um, contextualizing this for today. So um, there was, yeah, there was a great resource on the last day of Ruth Khan that shared some modern day uh, Ruth like Ruth like um loyal lovers um so yeah maybe we can each share about some like modern day expressions of ruth like loyal love which yeah might be one of those stories or one from your own life um but 
Yeah. Vicki, do you want to start us off with the contextualization piece? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so also at RuthCon at the end, we had like an empty full art gallery. Mm. Uh, and my, the piece that I submitted was a picture that my mother took. And mm. I specifically chose that picture. So she took a picture of a rainbow and in the background were mountains because she lives in Vancouver. And I chose a picture that she took because if we're talking about present day contextualizations, I can't help but to think of her um, mm. because her story parallels Ruth's story quite a bit. Mm. Um, just like Ruth, my mother also left her family and her country um, to love her in-laws and her husband faithfully and generously while clinging to God. Um, my father and my paternal grandparents, so her in-laws, were not Christian. And her in-laws are still not Christian. My father is a new Christian. Um, but she, he, my, I see because of the way that my mom clung to God and had been showing such bold and loyal love to her in-laws and to my father. Um, if I guess because we were using the language of like the nexus of Hesed. Um, yeah, she is like the nexus of Hesed in mm -hmm. our family. And through mm -hmm. her loyal love, she has inspired my father to see yeah. uh, what God's love looks like here on earth. And it wasn't like a con it wasn't just like an idea floating over his head, but he had a real life example as his wife mm. right in front of him. And then as they had children together, I was the firstborn. And then I have three younger siblings. Um, my mother continuing to show that love to us and then inspiring her children to do the same and to show that loyal love to our grandparents, to my dad and those around us. I think that just really helped my father even more so believe that God is real. Mm. And so yeah, and for and so my mother's story, I see how her, um, yeah, loyal love inspired my dad and inspired us. And I don't think I would be working at Intervarsity if it wasn't for her. Actually, she was so encouraging all throughout mm -hmm. my life, and even as I was discerning staff, like she wants me to also cling to God and um, show loyal love to God and to those around me. And I, yeah, and so I just can't separate Ruth from my mother sometimes in my head. <laughs> mm. Wow, that's really beautiful. And like yeah. your students, like the thing I've heard from your students, Vicky, is like, Vicky's incredibly loving. Like she is so loving to us. So it's like, it's already spreading out <laughs> through you. You're from your mom. That's cool. Wow. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of, um, yeah, some a specific example in my life over this last year and just how um, Curtis and I, since we got married in 2018, have been trying to be thinking about like generosity with finances and also thinking about this concept of family. And so for us, a lot of our experiences of love and care from family is like being uh given gifts financially um, from parents and grandparents over the years. And um, and so we've been thinking a lot about like, okay, and praying and being like, God, what do we do with our resources now? We have regular incomes. How do we start regularly supporting people that are asking, that are part of God's work and uh, express God's love through that? Um, but also think about like giving sacrificially. And so when we have like 
income that comes in, like our tax returns every year that we're like, oh, we could just like go on a shopping spree or go on a trip or do something with this. We're like, okay, pause. Like what are the needs around us and who are the people that are in our community and who do we actually want to um, love like family by blessing them with this money if we can can share it. And so, um, yeah, like in the spring we um, – just had this extra chunk of money that we're like, well, yeah, we could do something with it for ourselves, but also we know there's this need. Our friend has, well, multiple friends have significant student debt and international student debt and um, other types of like needing to pay for counseling because they're out of their insurance or things like that. And it's like, oh, well, these are people we care for and love. um, And so we can be generous towards them. Um, and give a, a like significant chunk of money to our friends um, as a way of caring for them and providing for them and um, treating them like our family would treat us. Um, and so that, yeah, feels like, I guess, one way that God has called us into said is just really trying to be generous with our finances and not holding them too tightly um, and looking around, yeah, at the people around us and treating them like family hmm. in that way. Yeah, thanks, Bryn. Yeah, like one of my favorite, um, one of the articles I posted on the contextualization page was a story of like this kind of feast that kind of happened or like this picnic that happened kind of between people living on the border of Mexico and the U.S. Um, and because I have like friends who live uh, in Tijuana, Mexico, where there's a literal well, actually two literal walls kind of splitting these two people groups that don't get along, just like the Moabites and Israelites and kind of the Book of Ruth. Um, I think like that's where my mind really goes immediately when I'm in kind of the Book of Ruth and there's all kind of these cultural and racial tensions between these two people um, of like, what does it look for enemies to actually come together? Um, so that's kind of where my mind goes immediately. I think of... Um, a moment a few years ago, I was in Tijuana, and there's this church that half the church met on one side of this kind of border wall, and half the church met on the other side of the wall. Um, and during the church service, they would actually come together and meet at this border wall. And you would have families who hadn't seen each other for decades crying and uh, kind of reconnecting um, during this church service. Um, and this church would actually do the work of like, researching to find families that had been split for various reasons and actually emailing and writing letters to connect them at during their church service. Um, Powerful, powerful moment of like families coming together, but also enemies or rivals or um, people who your, your communities don't get along um, well, but come together for the sake of the gospel, uh, for the sake of redemption. Um, Yeah. So that's where my mind goes immediately too. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. So just for our last question, we're going to kind of hone it in. Um, One of the application questions that we asked from our character study was, how can you be a person that prompts others to lead lives of loyal love like Ruth? How do you develop the character that allows you to operate out of loyal love? So... Yeah, help us out, friends. How can we, yeah, not only see Ruth's character in our context, but actually kind of 
how do you live out that character? So one of the things as I was thinking about this and how Ruth's story connects to the story of Jesus is that um, ultimately like leading a life of loyal love is like asking the question of like, how do I become more like Christ? One who like sacrifices yourself, finds yourself to those who are vulnerable, like Jesus has done to all of us who have sinned and are separated from God, right? Like we are vulnerable and in need and he decides to give himself up for us. And Ruth does the same for Naomi. Um, and she recognizes the cost, like you're, you're recognizing there is sacrifice involved. Like you will not live comfortably if you're going to live a life of loyal love. Um, not to say that there aren't right. Like there is, are beautiful things in ways that God provides. Like Ruth is provided with security and still has, eventually has a family again or a biological family again. But, um, that there is significant sacrifice involved and, Um, like Alan was talking about a bit before that, like you make decisions that then you continue to keep the promises that those decisions, um, or those, yeah, those, the decisions and commitments you make, like you uphold those, um, you don't break those promises. So when you say you're going to, uh, commit to particular people or to giving or to, um, supporting particular people in whatever way that you are faithful to those promises, um, and, and that, is then yeah you're reflecting the character of God because he is one who is always faithful and um, upholds his promises to to lead us to protect us to um, provide um, and meet us when we're vulnerable and in need Um, and so like I mean that still feels a little bit abstract and so continuing to think of like okay what are the practical ways how do I actually do this like one, asking God, like praying about it, looking at scripture and like, are there things, actions that people uh, live out that I need to also do? So whether it is, yeah, giving generously of your finances, going, displacing yourself uh, for the sake of loving a particular people or community that God has placed on your heart. Um, and locally, like, I mean, I've just been thinking a lot about shopping these days because I'm pregnant and trying to fit into clothes. And so I'm like, how do I make like ethical shopping choices mm. that like provide for the, and the, Amy mentioned this during Ruth conference too, and as she was teaching us and just thinking a lot about like making sure people actually get living wages or working in safe conditions from the products that I buy that like that, uh, and also not like falling into the trap of I need to buy absolutely everything that I see because it fits me for this moment Um, (laughs) as I continue to grow a human um, and grow in size. Um, So yeah, there's like everyday like small choices like that, that I think have a larger, wider impact that if we're continuing to think about people in all of our choices, then we're, are able to try to uphold the, the example of, of Ruth and of God in the way that he loves us and making the sacrifices necessary, um, whether it's spending a little bit more on a few ethical clothes rather than like buying 10 million things from, I don't know, Walmart, <laughs> H&M places. Um, Called out. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> um, so those are, those are my thoughts right now about, small choices that stem out of your 
bigger promising commitment to to love people like God does. I think sometimes when you're in like university, you don't think about like how I think it's easy to be like, I'm just in university and that's all I'm doing. We don't always realize that the small choices we're making in university, they, they're actually going to affect way beyond you. So actually, if you choose to say yes to some of the crazy things Jesus puts in front of you, like now, like it'll make actually following Jesus after university much more of an interesting adventure, um, I think. Anyway, that's just my response to what Brenda's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vicky, what you got for us? Yeah, I I guess through this question, I'm also reminded of Boaz, who shows mm. um, like kindness and loyal love to Ruth, just like in his everyday sphere of influence. And mm-hmm. I feel like looking at Boaz, it kind of helps me to uh, frame this question in a way that I can contextualize it to me so I'm like so it makes me wonder okay like what um spheres of influence do I have in my life and how can I um yeah love in ways that would prompt others to also Hmm. live lives of has said and loyal love and I feel like those small choices that you make in life like Bryn and Alan um had mentioned you need to be in pretty good relationship uh, with someone for those small choices that you make in life to be noticed by others in your life. And so I think for me right now with the pandemic, a lot of my um, social life has shrunk. <laughs> so I don't really see my friends as much. I'm more so keep in contact with family, um, my husband. I'm newly married. I've been married for like a little over a year now. So yeah, so my husband and my students that I see on Zoom like regularly. And so those would be my spheres of influence and yeah and I think it's a question that I'm still asking like what does it mean to not make an understandable choice but a choice that could be costly of my time or energy or resources like it could be financial um, or it could be me driving to see a student um, and like dropping off some baked goods that's something that um, I've done during the pandemic or Hmm. um yeah, and so I think this is a question that I'm still wrestling with. And I know that my um, small group at RuthCon, they were also um, wrestling with it. But I think it's a good one to keep thinking about so that when opportunities do come up, you can hopefully act on it and say yes. And those small yeses lead to bigger yeses and continual yep. obedience um, nice. to God, just like we see Ruth um, say all the small yeses here and there too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I liked it appreciate that you're like this can be hard i think of it like this really is a discipleship question right like how do i become this i think like good discipleship the way you grow in that is you have someone or a community that can disciple you into the the thing you're trying to become um and then you put yourself in places where you can practice that with other people even without having the skill or the love so far and so i think you're like at the beginning of a journey trying to figure out how do I love like Ruth or like practice Hesed love. Okay. How do you find a person who can actually like help you see the places where you're available to that? Um, Mm. And then how do you begin to put yourself in situations where you're kind of forced to, 
where you get the like get to choose between will I be Hes- will I choose Hesed love or will I not? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's been what I was thinking about, and I think the last second thing I was thinking about, I was thinking about people in my age group. Uh, I was thinking how like I'm a millennial, and I was like millennials love to be like we love to talk about like changing the world, um, like be a world changer. I'm going to influence and do something remarkable. Um, and yet at the same time, we, like as a generation, I think this is true also of Gen Z, but if you're a Gen Z out there, you can correct me uh, if you think I'm way off base. But I think like as generations, we're incredibly like fear-based and incredibly individualistic mm-hmm. um, and incredibly like self-protective. And so I think like those three things tend to like we have this desire that's really big, but I think those three things kind of like subtly influence our decisions or our actions in ways that actually lead us to choose out of Hesed love. Hmm. Um, hmm. So I think in my life I'm trying to, okay, where, where am I being too much of an individual or well, am I just trying to protect myself? Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for those invitations, guys. Uh, that's really good. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening to RuthCon Continues, uh, focused on the character of Ruth. Um, yeah, we hope you have enjoyed or are enjoying your continued study of Ruth and are inspired by the person of Ruth. Yeah, I know we have been. So peace to you all. Thanks for tuning in. And next week we're looking at Boaz. So um, come and check out that episode as well. Thanks so much, Vicky and Alan and Bryn. Appreciate your insights. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.